Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. I think spiritually, the planet needed us to sit down, think about some things, and, and prioritize our relationships, our hearts, our spirituality, our connection to the planet. Hi, I'm Michael Casson. Welcome to Good Company, where I'll explore how marketing, media, entertainment, and tech are intersecting, transforming our lives and the way we do business at a breakneck speed. I'll be joined by some of the greatest business minds and strongest leaders who will share how they've built companies from the ground up or transformed them from the inside out. My bet is you'll pick up a lesson or two along the way. It's all good. This is a very special session of Good Company for me. I have the great pleasure of welcoming Janet Fitzgerald and Eliza Cohn, but I want to take our listeners down a little path. 20 plus years ago, I had the good fortune of having Janet Fitzgerald become part of my life. I was sitting in the audience on a bike participating and Janet was at the front of the class, always keeping me aligned and teaching me the importance of focus and teaching me so many things from the perch that she had as an instructor and as a contributor to my mental health. Obviously my physical health, but uh, my mental health. And I've had the good fortune as well over the last year or so to meet Eliza and become familiar with the extraordinary relationship and friendship and collaboration that Janet and Eliza have launched. I'd love to give a little bit of background. Janet, your current role is that of a master instructor at SoulCycle, but when we met, obviously it was before SoulCycle, it was at Body and Soul, a whole different part of, uh, of your journey. Can you talk a little bit about what brought you into both spin, but the idea of you not just being a spin instructor, but you being a spiritual leader? There's a lot of layers to that story, but basically I had fallen into a pretty um, deep depression and I had just quit smoking and put on about 13 pounds. And I had friends that said, why don't you come to spin class with us? And I said, uh, I hate it. I've, I've tried it one time three years ago. I can't stand it. It's not my thing. Yeah, I'm not going. A couple weeks later go by, no change in me. I'm still depressed. I'm on the couch. And they're like, come on, just, just come take one class. So I went. And I remember about three quarters of the way through putting my head down and crying because I felt this overwhelming uh, feeling of empowerment and kind of like old me, like, oh my God, there she is. You know, there, there's the girl that's in dance class. There's the girl that feels fired up about life. Like it, it uncovered something within me. And I thought, well, this music is really bad, uh, <laughs> but if it were good, um, we'd really have something here. So that's kind of like where I started. At the time, uh, I didn't have any money to ride. So I got one of my mentors on the horn and I said, I was, I was crying and I said, I don't know what to do. I don't have any money, um, but I found this thing that I think is going to change my life. Um, and he said, go get an envelope right spinning on it. He goes, do you have any money? And I said, I don't know. I was waiting tables at the time. He goes, well, go, go look in your wallet and see what you got. I think I said I had $3 in there and he goes, okay, we'll put one of them in the envelope. And I promise you, Janet Fitzgerald, you will never run out of money to spend. Next morning I woke up and I thought to myself, I, 
I don't need to pay for classes. What am I, what am I thinking? So I, I know I'd only been riding for about three months and I had like torn, my feet were like spinning through my shoes. I had like holes, you know, cause I was overweight and just like, um, determined. So I went to the owner and I said, Hey, listen, I noticed you don't have any teachers at 7 AM on Tuesday and Thursday. How about I teach that class for you? I said, I've been a teacher all my life. Why don't I teach that class for you? And then in trade, I go, you don't have to pay me, but in trade, I get to take all the classes I want. And he said, okay, crazy lady. Um, and that's kind of how that started. Well, I, I remember Janet, just to dive in there for a moment, one bit of advice you gave to a class that I took years ago. When somebody says, I don't have time, your retort was what that person actually meant was they didn't choose to allocate the time. Correct. Well, talking about empowerment. So can Eliza, this partnership, this collab, this, this friendship that you and Janet have created, can you give us a little background? Obviously, you met through, my understanding is you met through SoulCycle and the relationship was created and it's a unique relationship. Can you give us a little bit of background, Eliza, on how you got here today? Yes. Um, so I had been working at SoulCycle at the time for probably about a year, but I was, it, my full duration was about five years. Um, and I, like many people stumbled upon Janet's class. Um, and I remember Ju also you told me Julie Rice found you. Yes. So I was teaching surfing in Los Angeles at a kid's camp. And one of my like favorite and most beloved campers was Julie Rice's daughter. And I had no idea, um, who her mom was. I had just started riding at SoulCycle in Los Angeles and completely fell in love with the experience. And then I ended up starting to nanny for um, Julie. And then when I moved to New York for college, she was like, I'd love to give you a job. And I told her, I was like, I'm not qualified, but like, I'll do my best. So then I stumbled upon Janet's class. And I remember leaving that day and telling my friends or my coworkers or whoever I was with that I was never going to introduce myself um, because I never wanted that class to change. Like it, it just blew me away so much and changed my life within 45 minutes. And I had um, other friends who obviously were instructors and I, when I got to know them, it kind of changed the dynamic. So I remember saying like, I can never have that class change for me, which is kind of funny now because obviously I didn't introduce myself. <laughs> yeah. Just to put the time horizon there. I remember as well when you could stumble into Janet's class then I remember when you had to be the first person to call because you couldn't dare stumble in. The waiting list was too long by the time, by the time we got to the next stage of spinning. So uh, you were lucky in that you were there. You could stumble in. Most people couldn't. I remember it was like a weird time in the summer and everyone was out of town. And I knew it was like my one shot to finally take Janet's class. Well, in the spirit of having just watched Hamilton for the ninth time, you know, you didn't want to give up your shot. So that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's how it started. And then we just kind of got to know each other through like working and then kind of hanging out and then vacation. Would you like to, like to cut in? We took a vacation <laughs> together because um, I had broken up with someone like a couple days before I was supposed to go to the Bahamas. And so I was crying in the back office at 77th Street at SoulCycle. And she's like, I'll go. I'm like, okay, great. Pack your bags. That's it. So 
I, I want to go back to something you said when you started spinning, and and it's inspirational for me, and you know this. Talk to us about the music and the importance of the music, because when I tried to describe to people why spinning worked for me, the primary portion of it, was the escape. I'm distracted easily. When I'm spinning, I'm there, whether it was a 45-minute class or a super soul or whatever, you know, or soul survivor, I'm there. How do you, what's your inspiration as you program the music? for speed, for endurance, for psychology. How do you choose the music? It's, a, it's an art. It is, I have 16, I have over 16,000 songs in my library and they are not organized in any type of way. <laughs> I was shocked by that, like, how is that possible? Um, and the big reason of how that's possible is I really, for lack of a better description, channel spirit. Um, so when I get up in the morning, I pray to angels and guides, and um, I ask for them to help me put together the playlist that will be the most uplifting and inspiring and ener energizing, revitalizing for the people who are showing up that day. So I really believe that you and anyone else who's signed up for class are actually helping curate the music. Um, I have always felt, uh, matter of fact, a few days after I had taken that class and cried, I made a cassette tape for that teacher and I took it to class and asked her if she would play it for class. Now, if you can imagine if anyone did that to me, I'd be like, you need to go sit down right now. I've always been a dancer. So if you really listen to music, Michael, it's going to tell you exactly what to do. It's going to tell you to run or to jump or to climb or to, so I have this deep, deep relationship to music and I know exactly what the music wants you to do to it. So I, I get up, I make that one set list for that experience that morning, and then we don't ever use it again because the next day is different. The next set of people are different. I'm different. So Janet and Eliza, I want to switch gears. The two of you are working on something that's I, I find extraordinarily interesting. It's a docu-series, and I love the name of it, Witch and Famous. And I'd love to just, you know, hear from the two of you how you were inspired to do this and what the basic premise is, you've got the podcast that's already existing, and this docu-series will be spun off of that as the basis. But I'd love to just have you guys kind of walk us through what to expect with Witch and Famous. Well, we um, it started in Tulum. Yeah, Janet turned over and she asked me, um, she said, like, surprise, you just won the lottery. Um, more money than you could ever spend. Help. Set for life. Set for life. You've helped out your family and friends, et cetera. Um, what are you, you going to do? And I thought about it and I said, you know, I've always wanted to make a documentary and like drive around the country. Um, and I was just, and I also added like, I'm not exactly sure what the story would be, but I just, I see me making a documentary and driving around the country. And I said, well, that's funny because I've always wanted to make a documentary about all of the healers and psychics and spiritual teachers that I've seen in the last 30 years. And I had originally wanted to call it Hex in the City. Um, but upon further investigation, I found out that that had been used many times, but still it was like um, the idea of it. So we thought, well, if we both want to shoot a documentary, like let's investigate this. Yeah. And I feel like that was such a key for me to talk about spirituality because I realized, oh my gosh, yes, that's what I'm, 
passionate about. So that's what the story is. That's what the documentary is. Right. And she's the genius that came up with the name. Well, it's, it's a brilliant name because it certainly catches one's attention. And talk about the spiritual journey. Talk about the healers. First of all, how do you find these healers? I believe that God and spirit um, speaks through other people when it's a positive message. For instance, I think I was about 26 and I was dealing with some really bad nightmares. And a friend said, I, I need you to, to have a session with this woman. She's a, like a spiritual teacher. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. What is a session? I don't, you know. And I said, and furthermore, I don't even have any money for a session. She goes, you know what? I'm going to treat you. I just need you to drive out. I was in Los Angeles. She goes, I need you to drive out to Palm Springs and you're going to meet with this woman. So that was the very first time I was ever connected to a spiritual teacher. Um, her name was Lorna Terrell, and she now lives in Texas, but at the time she lived in Palm Springs, and she was extremely psychic and a spiritual teacher. I met with Lorna, and it literally, Michael, it was a pivotal point in my life that completely changed directions. Um, I had never heard anyone speak about spirituality or life um, before. And she said things like, for example, she goes, uh, Janet, I see that you have a ring on your finger. Um, tell me something. Are you in love with that man? And I paused for a second and she goes, it's all right. I already know the answer to that question. So let's talk about when you're going to break up. You know, so she was, and, and I would ask other questions about like, am I going to get my SAG card? And, you know, cause I was like acting in LA and, and she goes, um, well, how's your closet look? And I said, oh, I don't know. I guess yeah, it's kind of messy. Right. And she was like, well, you're never going to manifest all of the things that you want to manifest in life. Your soul is who really brings you opportunity and money and relationships into your life. So if you don't clean up the details of your closet and your car and your home, you will not be able to manifest all of your hopes and dreams. So I get home and clean that closet if I were you. Janet and Eliza, let me ask a question. You came up with the idea for Witch and Famous quite some time ago. It's not brand new, but it's moving now from podcast to the docu-series. Has the overall tone in your mind changed based on the current environment? I definitely feel like people are more open now uh, than ever before to like other answers. Um, I think people, because we've had so much time um, kind of in isolation, um, I know a lot of people are like looking inwards and working on themselves. And I know for me, at least like working with these brilliant healers has helped my own self and growth exponentially. Witchcraft to be thought of like doing something to someone or putting a spell on someone. That's not what it is. It's more just about like really, um, getting in touch with the yeah, earth planet and harmony with everything and harmony with relationships and harmony with yourself, your body, what you ingest, how you operate in the world. So the cool thing about this um, quarantine and the virus is that it hit the pause button so that everyone is forced to stop running. Okay. Even getting on a bike helps me kind of run from some of the stuff that's going on in my head. You know what I mean? So the fast pace of New York, I can get out on the streets and like kind of outrun a lot of feelings, however you want to do that. Now we're being forced to like sit down. I really feel that in spirituality, there's about 1 million reasons for every one thing that happens. So we could analyze 
you know, this about why this is happening to our world for, a, you know, this could be a all day discussion, but I think spiritually the planet needed us to sit down, think about some things and, and prioritize our relationships, our hearts, our spirituality, our connection to the planet. And I've always felt like, um, same with my class. I always felt like I was a, um, a good bridge where I could like, um, reach, big executive guys that would normally not be into spiritual practice, but I could reach them through music and through relatability. So we feel like we can offer spirituality to the masses that will be more easily digested. Some of it's going to, people are still going to go like, that's too wacky for me, but but hopefully they won't want to turn away. (laughs) Well, I'm here to say what I said at the beginning of this conversation, and I'll reiterate it again. You reached me. You reached me in a way that no one else had because I had that focus. And I guess the question that I had, which I think you already answered was, in this moment, people have changed. We're all working from home, or what's the acronym I heard the other day? Not WFH, WFB, working from bed. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of iterations on what people are doing. So guys, in the spirit of, this is all about spirituality, are are there any tips or techniques that you can kind of share with us what do you think about going back to the core and back to soul what do you think the future of exercise is i mean are we all going to go in are we going to get back to some you know comfort level to be on a bike you know reasonably close to somebody part of the spectacular that i felt was that energy and and what you get from the 60 or so riders around you even though you're in your own zone And one of the great things for me about the relationships that I built over the years when I was pretty regular at Seoul in class were the people, it was a level playing field. You know, Michael, the future of fitness um, is going to be different for a while and certainly um, for the next two years. But I will tell you, kind of like just like in the 20s, I think there's going to be a lot of underground things oh, happen. Prohibition. Prohibition right? fitness. I really do. I really feel like people are gonna, you know, gonna, the they're gonna throw, title. throw uh, I don't know, get a, a, a warehouse in um, Culver City, roll up the doors, throw 50 bikes in there. Everyone sign, gets their temperature taken before they come in, signs release forms. And I, I think there's gonna be underground things happening where people can still get this feeling that you're talking about if they so choose. How about outdoors? What we did in Cannes last year. They're, they're planning outdoors, I believe, right now in the Hamptons. Yeah. Was so successful. Yeah. Michael, I wanna I wanna add one thing. Yes. Everybody on the planet, basically, if I had one piece of spiritual advice that would increase everyone's integrity at any company or any person on the planet. It would be something that I tell the trainees uh, at SoulCycle. I said, listen, uh, just so you know, and this was back in the day when Julie and Elizabeth owned the company, I said, you do not work for SoulCycle. You do not work for Julie Rice and Elizabeth Cutler. You certainly don't work for me. You will be successful and have the longest career and the most um, exciting trajectory if you work for your soul period period 
you show up and you do it for you. You do it for your soul. And then the energy that you create is exponentially much, much, much bigger than funneling it through. This is who employs me. Well, that's a great way to end, to do it for your soul, to do it for your own spiritual journey, to do it for your KPIs, your key performance indicators that we all create for ourselves. I think there's no better place to end a good company with Janet Fitzgerald and Eliza Cohn than right there. Yay. We love you, Michael. I'm Michael Casson. Thanks for listening to Good Company. Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. A special thanks to Lena Peterson, Chief Brand Officer and Managing Director of MediaLink, for her vision on Good Company. And to Jen Seeley, Vice President Marketing Communications of MediaLink, for programming amazing talent and content. Good Company is edited by Jessica Kreinchich. 